Gamer episode 153. Learn to Kahoot with Jamie Brooker. This is Ed Gamer for Monday, October 12th, 2015. Ed Gamer is powered by Illini Cloud at IlliniCloud.org. This show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We will give you the education angle on any type of games, ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We will discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I'm Zach. And I'm Jamie. Jamie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, my name is Jamie Brooker, and I'm the co-founder and chief creative officer at Kahoot. And my name is Zach Gilbert, and I'm your host. I'm a sixth grade social studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. So, at Gamer listeners, it's been a while. <laughs> Zach has been a little busy. Jerry is not with us today. And uh, it's, you know, uh, life happens. And, you know, when you have kids and, you know, you're teaching and it's, you know, Jamie, I have... Uh, I've gone up to 30 students per class, and I know some teachers out there are like, well, that's nothing. I've got 35, 40 in a class. It's it's a lot. It, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, and uh, I'm glad I have good students this year, So, especially if they're listening, <laughs> except for a few of you out there. No. So, um, so we've been a little bit busy, a lot of things going on, and hopefully within the next couple months, I'll be able to share some positive, some wonderful news, uh, working behind the scenes of, of Ed Gamer and trying to get this uh, to a wider and bigger audience and have use for teachers in the classroom through the United States and around the world. So so if if you haven't noticed, Ed Gamer is now on edgamer.net. EdReach uh, has, uh, is basically no longer. Um, I think uh, Dan Rezac is doing something called um, uh, the department. And I think he's tweeting out information on education through there. And he's, he's moving on to bigger and better things. He's doing some amazing things up in the Chicago area. Uh, so, but edgamer.net is powered by Alina cloud, which is a wonderful friend and, and close neighbor here in, in Bloomington normal. And they're definitely supporting education and moving that forward. So, um, first thing I want to talk about is game club. And, uh, Jamie, did you ever have a game club when you were in school? Um, no, <laughs> no, there's we no game club enough to, I'm afraid. What's we that? Had, I guess we had lots of different clubs where it was an individual game, you know, okay. chess, for example, or, um, sport, different sports clubs, but never a game club, never a game club. So chess, but that, that's pretty quiet usually. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's not as loud as, as my game club. I would, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, I'm sure there was an audio, audio visual club. Uh, Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so I it think some of the so kids. Ago, <laughs> yeah, I think some of the kids that would be in the audio visual club might be, you know, in the in the game club. Uh, what, so, I mean, what sort of games do you play in the game? So club? game club. Oh my goodness! So tabletop, tabletop games. Um, uh, we played Samurai, which I tweeted out a picture of that. Uh, I always forget Kinesia. Um, uh, it's Kinesia game, and I'm. I'm, no, I'm butchering it. I always do. Um, you know, he's a famous um, game maker. Right. Um, what were some of the other games? Ingenious, um, Snake Oil, uh, Super Fight, which is a really fun, fun game. There's a lot of these games that are kind of based off of like apples to apples. Right. Okay, yeah. You know, uh, Cards Against Humanity, which is not yep. something that we play at school. <laughs> Why not, is that? Not an appropriate game for school. Um, 
<laughs> so not saying that that's sitting in the teacher's lounge somewhere. No, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> so who um, chooses the games to the students? Or the students, we bring stuff? games there and then we demonstrate them and, you know, have them play. Um, but uh, um, Super Fight is a fun, that would be a fun game for for those that work at Kahoot just to, to mess around. Super Fight, Super Fight yeah. It's what, a, what's the kind of premise? So you have uh, different cards. You have black and white cards. Black cards are the attributes. Mm-hmm. White cards are people. And uh, so you could have, you have three people cards and like I think five attributes and you pick one of each. Mm-hmm. So you could be uh, Michael Jackson, you could be Hannibal, you could be, which you got to decide, is that Hannibal Lecter or Hannibal the Carth- Carthaginian? Right, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, are you um, a, a, a ghost? Are you a witch? You know, so all tons of different combinations of people. Yeah. And then attributes. Uh, so you have a, um, a chain with um, a, a shark attached. And you're swinging it, or you know, you have a machine gun, or you can um, um, turn into a mist. I mean, there's a, all these different and crazy attributes. So you pick one of each, yep. and uh, then you draw a random attribute, which could totally throw off your combination. And your goal is to try to have the strongest character, and right. you want to prove that your character is the strongest, and then people vote vote on it. Um, there's so many different variations. And if you go on the super fight website, you can actually, um, people put ideas on how you can do different things. So sometimes we do the scariest. Yep. Sometimes we do the funniest. Sometimes we do the weakest. Is that like a rule that you set out beforehand? Yep. That's, Just that's like the, poker. Okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> before you toss out the cards, you know, this is, this is the, this is the and, rules. And so when you have to prove it, is that just down to your kind of persuasive skills? Yes, definitely. Definitely. And oh my goodness, the kids. <laughs> and sometimes what's funny is that they don't even know what uh, some of the attributes or the, the people are, but they think they do. So just mm-hmm. observing that is is hilarious in its own right. Um, so that group gets very loud. Yeah, I can get very loud. So we have. Hey, we're we have, all about loud, loud gaming. And oh loud yeah. Gaming. Oh, you're you're they're having fun. Uh, that's another game too that uh, you could. I've thought about having students create because I teach ancient civilizations, um, because they have different packs. They have like a, a anime pack. They have yep. a, a, a kind of a geek uh, science fiction pack. Yep. They have a PG friendly pack um they have a non-pg <laughs> not friendly pack so you know they that's they have these hands, yeah <laughs> they can sell those out and that's that works out pretty well they have uh so those those fit in but i've thought about having students create okay we're studying ancient egypt yep. let's create cards that mm. would fit for super fight for ancient egypt and yeah, boy well, talk about levels of understanding there yeah yeah we call that's, it learners to leaders Lannister leaders. Lannister to leaders. So they've gone from the learning phase to creating. Learners to leaders. And then they they then get to kind of take on the kind of the leadership role in the game. Yes. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's super. It's super cool. So do you play in your game club? Uh, no, that's that we were talking about that beforehand. I was like, why haven't we done that? <laughs> why haven't we done? So now the one problem is that we have i guess we could have because i've had this before where kids will have their own kahoot in a corner on a laptop and then they're connecting with different devices um they uh 
I don't I'm use my classroom, which has a, a whiteboard, you know, um, smart board, whatever you want to call it, with a protector. Yeah. So, you know, I definitely would want to have a room that has that. And right now, we've the last two meetings, just to give a, a, the listeners an understanding here, I've had 65 uh, uh, students come to a, a meeting a couple weeks ago. And then last week was 70, which is we're getting pushing 10% of the student population attending the entire school. Yeah, the entire school. Oh, so amazing. That so I'm running out of room. <laughs> running out of room. So the IMC, the library, is like packed. I mean, they're down if the stacks need, of the books. If only you had a gaming platform which includes everyone. <laughs> mm, mm, yes. Well, we want to also give choice, right? So you know, we don't necessarily we, we like kids to try. So that, I think that would be kind of that'd be fun. I don't know if the access point in my classroom would handle seventy kids. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be a problem. And I have cinder block walls. So getting a cell signal, almost impossible. Oh, really? Wow. Almost impossible. So when you play these other games, do they break out into groups? And, yeah, they do. And, and we, like I said, we try to get them to try different games, different tabletop games. We'll bring them. Um, we will demonstrate them. So I have a couple parents that come uh, come there. I have uh, uh, the owner of Red Raccoon Games, which is a, a game store in downtown Bloomington. Mm-hmm. He shows up, which which is really, man, if you can get local game stores involved. His wife is a teacher, so he has got a, a, a big heart for teachers. Um, you know, he gives discounts for teachers if they just want to buy games. But if you have a purchase order and want to buy games for uh, your school or classroom, he gives mm-hmm. us 40% off. Wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So so he comes in, he comes in, um, and it's, it's just we don't we're getting to the point we don't have enough volunteers uh it's just getting out of hand so we have tabletop games we have uh kids are on their laptops playing online games or you know other games on there and then i have some computers that are running civilization and they're in my classroom civilization 4 which is some a game i use in my class uh, my ancient civilizations class so um i'm trying to get um i will have minecraft on those soon and then i will also have um portal 2 huh which will be a lot of fun. Definitely didn't fun. have these when I was at school. <laughs> no, no. So it's it's uh, it's it's a blast. It really is a lot yeah. of fun. And is I, it after school? It's after school uh, for about an hour and forty five minutes. Uh, oh, wow. So it's quite it's, long. Yeah, it's a good time. Well, you know, if you're going to be playing games, you know, this is a safe environment for the kids to come and play, and uh, it works out quite well. The, the only problem is because there are so many kids, I I'm not getting to play. <laughs> which is one of the reasons why I started. I was like, really, it, was, it wasn't to help out the kids. It was just to, it was, it was very selfish. I wanted a time each week to play games and, and dang it, they're just not allowing me to do that. I don't know what I need to do. What so, about your colleagues? Can they come and help you? Yeah. So I actually, uh, I, I tweeted that out, uh, but I do need to send an email if anybody's interested in coming and helping out. I do have some uh, local university students hopefully coming. Um, I do have some actually coming from Wisconsin to come down and observe a uh, class on uh, this coming week. And then they're staying after for the game club, but I'm trying to get some local students. I re- really, I think that'd be a great way to, from the local university to come and assist and see how brain explosion here. Hey, have them come. And so when they become a teacher, they can start a game club in their own school where they're at. So they're, they're student teachers. Then. Yeah. So uh, Illinois state university, which is about 25, 30,000 students is, mm-hmm. is the largest teacher college in the state of Illinois. Okay. So um, it, it's, we have a lot of, <laughs> have a lot of available students. So I think well, I need to get that, write this down. Right. 
your game club <laughs> format will be uh, spreading. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, here's the thing too, is that um, Sean Dickers, who's, oh, he moved, I can't remember the university. It's up in the Twin Cities in, in, in Minnesota. Uh, he wrote a book called Teachercraft. Okay. And uh, chapter six is how to start basically an after-school game club for Minecraft. But it, the basic premise is that, okay, this is what I did to start my game club. Yep. Um, it could be used for whatever game you want. So mm -hmm. that's actually in chapter six of Teachercraft. So, uh, so oh, I got to write this down. ISU students for game club. <laughs> so I gotta, <laughs> it's like, I got to use these kids. Okay. And then, um, uh, and then what was it? Oh, the Teachercraft. Um, so that is chapter six. I want to make sure I put these in the show notes. They've been on, in there before, but you know, somebody watching now, I want to make sure that they have access to that yep. so they can yep. see how to do the game club. So, um, so very exciting about, uh, the kids getting involved and, and helping out. I really, um, I, I want to turn this into a project. Now I, I've got multiple things here in our notes. Yep. Um, you know, project-based learning. So, you know, one of the, you've, you perked up when I mentioned Civilization 4. Mm -hmm. Have you played that game? I've never played it, but actually I have colleagues that talk <laughs> Addicted? about it. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, actually, because one of the things I'm trying to uh, build probably in our offices here is a little bit of a game club because it's a great way of getting kind of inspiration as well. Like you can borrow or you can learn from the way different types of games do things, different reward mechanisms, different game mechanics, et cetera, et cetera, to inform your own kind of design process. So it's something we're trying to build here. And I know some of my colleagues have mentioned that, but I have to admit I've never played it. That, uh, you know, you're building a civilization from the ground up. Yeah. But the wonderful thing is that um, you can add, you can create scenarios and modifications on your own. Mm. Uh, you need to know a little program called Python. Yep. So, which is not, I, I enjoy Python. Uh, I, I'm not a designer, I'm not a coder or anything like that. I'm guessing it's not as powerful as uh, Java, mm -hmm. uh, but it seems a lot simpler. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not a coder either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a designer by background, but, um, you know, I think a lot of these uh, languages, it's more about understanding the conceptual side of it. Yeah. Because then you can kind of apply yourself to different languages. That's and that totally makes sense. I still do not like Java, but that's a whole other <laughs> thing. So, so Python. So one of the projects that I thought about doing is that okay, I've taught the kids the the game, um, how it connects to social studies, and I use it throughout the year with assessments, and it's basically a framework for for how I teach. So teach social studies. So I thought. You know, hey, maybe one of these units, I could have some students uh, create scenario or modifications for the next unit, mm. and they would they could learn the subject matter yep. by creating the scenario, and then also learning coding. Uh, well, I mean that uh, you know, as if I briefly touched upon earlier, the whole learners to leaders idea that we adopt in the business, and for me, I love that kind of philosophy because it's. It's more than just playing. It's encouraging the right kind of uh, behaviors around kind of research and understanding as well. Yes. Um, I mean, if you if you ask your students to do that, how how do you kind of assess it or critique it? That's a great question. <laughs> it's a great question. It'd be it basically it'd be the end product, wouldn't it? Yep. Uh, you know, it'd be whatever they created. But you know, yes, I definitely would have to come up with the rubrics. I do have. Um, 
my goals for each unit, which is based mm -hmm. on uh, culture, civics, people, and geography. Yep. And then I have different categories underneath those, which are basically learning goals uh, yep. and understanding how that fits, how that civilization and what they've created fits into those categories. So if they created a scenario, they mm -hmm. definitely would have to fit items within each of those categories and explain and defend why they they belong so there's there. kind of like a conversational or presentation element to it as well oh yeah definitely definitely it's it's really similar with us you know one of the things that we really really try and encourage is that students create cahoots on the platform because i think a lot of um a lot of teachers or other users you know, initially it makes a lot of sense that the kind of instructional element of a class um, comes through Kahoot as well. So games are created to introduce new topics or they're, they're created to uh, review students, for example, at the end of a curriculum. But really where we see a lot of deeper learning, and it, it seems to me to be really tied in with what you're explaining there, is where the students go away and create their own Kahoot. So they kind of take on the role of researcher and they might do it collaboratively in groups with with their friends and classmates um, and you know it might be that they've been taught um, a, a specific subject um, um you know give me an example of something you would uh, <laughs> ancient, ancient egypt yeah ancient egypt and that's quite a you know it's an extremely broad uh, curriculum where there's a lot of specific elements of of ancient egypt underneath and it might be that different groups go away and, and take on a different uh, kind of subtopic, um, the one which interests them the most maybe. Mm -hmm. And they go away, they research, and they become, they then take on the role of the creator. And creation is about, in Kahoot, it's not just about um, designing well-structured questions, it's about supporting those well-structured questions with imagery or video as well that they create, which are intended to um, communicate the messaging behind the question or the reasons why a certain question is, you know, the answer is correct or the wrong answers are wrong, for example. And then they get to stand at the front of their class and, as you say, defend their creation. And that's by playing the game back with their classmates. So the reason we call it learners to leaders is at that stage, they're taking on the teacher role and their classmates are all in the learners phase. So they're learning from their friends and it becomes this kind of cycle of peer-led learning and they're so they're explaining to their classmates why this answer is correct why these answers are incorrect and you as the teacher are taking a back seat and as you said like it might be through a rubric that you've designed we've got examples where teachers have shared their Kahoot rubrics online and they're kind of assessing the, how good the questions are and how much they really understand about that topic and how well they're sharing it back and through that process they become the leader in their class but then the amazing thing is the next group comes up and does it and then they go back to being the learner so they're learning in this kind of cycle from their peers rather than you know the traditional kind of <laughs> teacher down there um, you will listen to you need to listen to it this way you need to learn the same thing at the same time kind of approach the uh my mentor when I first started teaching said I don't need to be the sage on the stage I need to be <laughs> I need to be the guide on the side we are I absolutely love that. I'm going to use that. Yeah, use it. Yeah, it was, I mean, uh, it makes so much sense because you're, you're kind of facilitating. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm not. Um, I do have a lot of information. I do have a lot of knowledge to share. Mm -hmm. But uh, and there's times and places for that. 
Yep. Uh, and I can do that in a, in a certain style. I love storytelling. So, you know, the kids can capture that. But it's going to be more meaningful if they create it. And that's the constructivist in me. We need to back up a little bit because some people are watching this and have no idea what Kahoot is. <laughs> this is so, yeah. So we, I think if you can pull that up and share yeah, this. Let me share my screen. Um, and then we can back up and, and talk about, um, yeah, the student creation, which, you know, project-based learning is, is kind of a, um, a um, it's not new, but it's something that has been very, um, I think businesses look at it. Yep. And because businesses are a lot of things that they do are based on projects. So when you have a, um, if you can teach that learning style or, or, or I guess um, product method, yep. production method, then that's businesses can get involved and they, they understand that language. I guess, th I guess that makes sense too, right? Yeah. Yep. So do I, I'm going to. Should I just quickly explain? I feel like our website is probably the best place to start. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to click on me. And can you, then can you see my screen? I can see that. I want you to log in, but uh, if you can. So that's, or, or here, let's do this, you know, because we've practiced this, right? No, no, we haven't. So uh, this is, so it's uh, the website. Yep. So, I mean, just to quickly, before I log into the product mm -hmm. and kind of share what that is, um, Really, what we're trying to achieve with Kahoot is make learning something that everyone wants to connect with. So it's about creating a spark or the finding that thing that unlocks the potential in every student or the thing which motivates them to kind of take learning into their own hands. And so, you know, we we say that we kind of help help make learning awesome. And that's really by just creating, playing and sharing these fun learning games that we call Kahoots. And those Kahoots can be designed in any subject, any language, for any age or ability, you know, and it's literally it, it Kahoots used from kindergarten up to uh, business executives and kind <laughs> of everyone in, in between. Um, and also we truly believe that that should be accessible to everyone. So it's free as well. And that's really important for us. That's, um, that's huge. So if I was to, this is our website at getkahoot.com. Um, I will just sign straight in. But uh, if you don't have an account, you can sign up there. Yep. <laughs> um, and when you're in, you, you kind of have this dashboard. And this is this dashboard is where you create your games, the Kahoots that I mentioned. Um, and really, those games are um, composed of multiple choice questions. And those questions have imagery or video embedded into them that are designed for kind of instructional purpose. And we really try and encourage that those images and videos are created by the people creating the games. But of course, you can embed images and videos found from around the web. So you can embed videos from YouTube if they're about explaining core concepts, for Real example. Real quick, um, yep. so I have a student that, so this is the dashboard that I see. I see. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's really small there, but it's all, you can see what I've got. Yep. Yeah. I can, yep. I got it up there. Um, so there's all, and then, yeah, as everybody saw my forehead, uh, there, uh, my cahoots and then public. Yep. So if a student signs up, yep. are they not able to see public if they're under a certain age? Um, so yes. So if you're, <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember, <laughs> yes, 16 or under. Okay. Under 16, sorry. You can only publish the games that you create um, privately, and you can't browse other users' Kahoot. Okay. However, you, 
we we curate a kind of a specially uh, curated list of feature cahoots for students. So they right. still have learning games that they can access that have been made by other users, but they're kind of verified as safe. But uh, as a teacher, I can share specifically to a student that's under the age of 16. Yes, yes, you yeah, can share I your cahoots. So if I go into my cahoots, um, these are all the cahoots that I've created. Um, and they are, um, you know, they're, they're a, a combination of quizzes or surveys which are made up of these multiple choice questions. If I find one which has been played a lot, so this one here, I published publicly and it's been played by played 4,800 times by 22,000 players. So that's generally going to be students in classrooms around the world. Um, and this one game has been launched into that classroom. And I can show you with this game here, if you want, um, how that game's played. So I'm going to use what we call preview mode. And this is just so that you can get an idea of how it would work. Something, a little trick that I found out, because I have an older monitor uh -huh. on my computer. If my screen is not wide enough, yeah, the preview button doesn't show up. <laughs> yes. Have you seen? Um, that's because, yeah, um, that is because, and I'll show you here, that it your screen is literally too small to have right. everything on it. Um, yeah. But that's something we're we're working on. Uh, so, but it was one of those things. It was like, why don't I see a preview on here? And then you know, <laughs> it, it. I looked it up somewhere, and I shrunk the screen. You know, Control minus, you know, to get it down. And the, oh, yep. there it is. So when students, but students have, we have one to one laptops, so they're the screen's wide enough. Yep. So they're able to, to see that. But that was one thing. So if, if you're a listener out there and you're like, I don't see a preview button, shrink the screen, control minus until you see that preview so you can see both screens on here. Do, do your students have bring your, like a bring your own device policy or do they have they, access to more than one device? Uh, yes. <laughs> so they, have, uh, they can get a school device yep. uh, or they can bring their own. Yep. And you, they can actually have both. Yep. So they can have they can have their own uh, they can have the school device and then maybe have a tablet or something of their okay. own. Yep. So um, the reason I ask that is because um, if they're playing in small groups, for example, then you need the what's known as the host device, the host screen, mm -hmm. and that's this one you see on the left. So you can imagine in a typical uh, learning scenario, which let's say is in the classroom. I mean, as I mentioned, Kahoot's used well beyond the classroom, whether it's, uh, you know, your, um, your local game club <laughs> or uh, um, your sports club or it's in a business, you know, in a, um, in a training session in a business or in your church or um, in your living room with your family. It's, a, it's really what Kahoot's really about is bringing the people in the same physical location together and using technology to facilitate that experience rather than consume them. So what we said at the beginning was we're trying to prevent the BlackBerry prayer. And that's where you have lots of people with their mobile devices and their heads buried in their device. Um, because we believe that when lots of people are in the same location with technology, you can utilize that technology to create a social experience and actually connect people there and then. And that really applies to classroom settings. So for example, um, you know, classrooms generally have been set up the same for 100 years or so. Yeah. People in rows of desks kind of generally expected to learn the same things at the same time. Uh, typically, in, in the past, they would have textbooks with their, you know, they're reading the textbooks. Um, and we believe that that classroom time, so that could be an hour a week, is very precious time 
where that group of students are there with that teacher or you know we talked about the teacher taking on the, the facilitation role um, we believe that's so precious that rather than creating an experience where everyone's siloed and uh, doing something individual then why not use the fact that we've started to introduce this technology into the classroom and use it to bring people together to create this kind of more peer peer-to-peer -peer social experience in the classroom so if I just quickly show how Kahoot works, um, this is a game about uh, what did the world search for in 2014. So this and is so, trivia based. And so when I have the this, so the left hand side, what's in orange there, um, yep. that's going to be up on my smart board. And exactly. then the students, um, you'll show here in a second. Yep. So, so if I'm the teacher, I'm projecting this side to the to the class on the smart board at the front. So I'll press launch. And um, what you'll see in a second is there's some instructions on the screen. Um, oh, I'm going to have to turn my volume down because there's a video embedded into this lobby screen, <laughs> which is used directly from YouTube. So what you see here, it says, join at kahoot.it with game pin 750606. So what you do is ask, their student, ask your students on their own device. I'm going to have to turn my volume down further. Um, oh. uh, can you can you hear it? Yeah, no, no, I can't hear it. But I'm sitting here okay. going, huh? I wonder if I can. I'm going to go ahead and get in. Can I get yeah, in? You this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly can. Yeah, no. Um, so every student on their own device, and it can be any device. So we're using a mobile phone to simulate this. But they could be on a laptop. They could be on a tablet. They could be on a desktop. Any device with a mobile browser. They would go to Kahoot.it. They would see this page and they would enter the game pin, which in this case, unique to the classroom, is that. And as we can see, you have just joined the game. <laughs> Not that I'm a Star Trek fan or a Mongolian fan. I'm just going to put my name as Jamie <laughs> and go. So my device is telling, telling me that I'm in the game. I saw my name jump to the screen. And, you know, for us, when we... Um, when we first designed Kahoot, we said, how can we take that student from the back of the classroom and bring them to the front for all the right reasons? So this is actually the first interaction we designed. And it creates this magical moment that has everyone in the class engaged. Because if you can imagine seeing you know, 30 classmates' names on the screen, it just starts to create this social experience where people are having conversations already. And that's what we're trying to encourage. So once everyone's in the game. Right, and one suggestion here yep. is that when I do this, mm -hmm. um, I have them put their first name and last initial. Yes. Um, and, and that's, I don't have them put a last name or anything like that. It's, yep. and and if, if they don't follow those directions, then as you were hovering over my name, you could actually kick me I out. Kick I mean, out. yeah, yep. so if it wasn't appropriate, then, you know, you just, hey, see ya. Um, yep. So I give a two-strike rule. So if they did it once, you know, oh, I forgot, um, <laughs> you know, okay, whatever, kicked you out. If they do it a second time, then they, they're not in the game. And, of course, they want to be in the game, so they need to they follow the di that direction. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I saw uh, on YouTube, yes, I was browsing YouTube, and um, a teacher had made a video that they've embedded in into this lobby screen where they've kind of used a green screen in the background, and they're talking to their students, giving them the advice on how they want them to structure their, oh. their nicknames for the game. I thought it was quite a clever idea. I'd That's never a great idea. I mean, typically, you'd use this YouTube video 
firstly for engagement, kind of capture anyone's uh, everyone's attention. Yeah. Or you'd use it to introduce the content of the game itself. Or you might use it to recap the the learnings from last week's lesson, for example. Um, but he used it to kind of instruct the game, which I thought was clever. You know. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to start the game now. So. If I was teaching, if I was a teacher and I was facilitating the game, and remember what I said before that we really try and encourage the students to be the ones that facilitate the games as well. Um, I think that's really important when you uh, when you think about how this works. We try not to differentiate so much between teachers and students. It's as we say, learners and leaders. So you're leading the game, or you're part of the, the you're playing the game. So you're learning as you're playing it. Um, I would press start. So the game would start, this is the intro, and on everyone's device, it just prepares them by saying, get ready. Then the first question is displayed. So these four were the highest trending search terms globally in 2014, which was highest. You only have 10 seconds to answer this question. You have to answer it with one of these four options. Oh. I got it wrong. Did you get it wrong as well? I got it wrong. The correct answer was Robin Williams. So if I was facilitating the game in this scenario, what I would do is um, show the image. And sometimes, you know, this one is just a series of photographs on a loop in an animated GIF. But if this was, say, an instructional image, uh, maybe a diagram or something, I could explain why Robin Williams was the correct answer. And yeah. I could recap the question at this point. And what I would do is also maybe ask uh, the students that got it right to explain to their classmates why they think thought it was the correct time. Is, is it evil of me? <laughs> um, you know, you probably know where I'm going with this. So sometimes I will put pictures in there that actually help. Yep. Sometimes I will put pictures that might throw them off. I but, don't think that's evil at all. Because okay. <laughs> so if Wait. my kids, kids get me, oh, they, they will give me glares. It's just like, why did you do that? I go, you know what? I think that's part of good game design. So when you're creating a Kahoot, you are designing a learning game. And if you really want them to think through what the correct answers are, one of those kind of game design elements that you might bring into it is actually to try and throw them off the scent to yeah. see how much they're really paying attention, right. but also to really get them to think. Because if I, if I only had a picture of M Malaysia Airlines in this one, but I, I really yeah. thought the correct answer was Robin Williams, it would really get me to think about whether that was a correct answer. Right. Obviously, this is more of a trivia game, so it's a little right. bit harder to explain it. Right. There's one other design element that I wanted to show that I'll show in this next question is when the question is displayed. So these four people were top trending athletes globally in 2014, who was highest. So what you'll see is on the student's device, they only have these four blocks to answer the question. And they match up with the four answer options that are on the screen at the front of the classroom. Um, and let's just say I thought the answer was Luis Suarez. Incorrect. Oh, we picked the same one. <laughs> I'm a Liverpool fan, so I, uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of Luis Suarez, even though he, he was in the news uh, for the uh, Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to go on that one. Um, but this was really important. So we don't put questions and answers on the student's device. And that is because Kahoot is first and foremost about creating these social experiences. And what this uh, design encourages is that everyone looks up. What you see in a classroom is that everyone is looking at the screen at the front. Often what that creates is what we call the uh, campfire moment, where actually the students are out of their desks. They're gathered around the screen at the front. And 
simply by looking up, it encourages these conversations that we see. And all of a sudden, what, you, what happens is students are kind of initiating peer-led discussions around the content of the game. And the fact that everyone is answering the question at the same time means they're all included in the experience at the same time. And even if you're someone who's maybe a bit shy or someone who doesn't normally partake, you don't necessarily have to involve yourself physically in the conversation, but you're involving yourself by playing the game and being part of it. Definitely. So when we talk about bringing the student at the back of the class to the front for all the right reasons, that's another thing that we see is when everyone gathers around. And this is, for us, this is important because, because of the nature of Kahoot and the fact that everyone's taking part in the classroom experience. Um, a lot of people might see Kahoot as a, a kind of, an assessment tool, you know, in more of the kind of summative approach. Or they might see it as a grading tool even, which I've seen happen before. And for me, that's 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 wrong. Yes, I, I agree with you. <laughs> you know, there are, there are other products out there which are much more suited to it. Kahoot's really, as, as our website says, is about making learning awesome. And, and learning happens through, in Kahoot, it happens through creating these inclusive learning environments that encourages everyone to discuss the conversation, uh, sorry, discuss the content of the game which creates these conversations. Our users actually coined it um, loud learning. Um, <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that the people watching this won't be able to hear, unfortunately, oh, is right. the soundtrack that accompanies the game. And that's so important to uh, the experience it creates because it generates the excitement levels. And it's what kind of engages people in many ways. We, we try and bring emotion into the learning environment. So if, if that learning environment's a classroom, we're trying to bring emotion into the classroom. And we're trying to encourage people to have fun and motivate them to learn about the things that they want to learn about. Mm -hmm. And that's really why I kind of get slightly disappointed when I see that maybe some of our users are using Kahoot in ways that we didn't really design it yeah. for. Yeah, and it's 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 a formative tool. It, it just it gives me information about my students. Yep. Um, but I've really, I've not seen too many platforms where um, the students remember <laughs> they remember <laughs> these games. They remember the information. They remember the discussions yep. about the questions. And uh, when when it, they're emotionally attached to it, that's where learning sticks with you. And that's yep. that's a huge part of it. Yeah, and that's why, um, I met, as I mentioned before, the learners to leaders, where we encourage students to make the games, that really creates a massive emotional connection, whether it's between student and content or student and student or even student and teacher, because they're really empowered and they feel, you know, when you lead a game, when you design a game and you share that game with other, other people and those people are learning and engaging with it, um, that's that's quite. It makes you feel quite proud. It does, and I've, I've this has actually taken off more this year than last year, where students are sharing and creating um, their own cahoots, and they're using it. They're using it to play games with their friends. Yep. Uh, they want me to share their cahoot in class. Yep. Which I, I think is really cool, Absolutely. and I can have them lead that, mm -hmm. uh, which is something I want to. I'm actually going to do this week, mm -hmm. um, and then. Um, they're also using this preview one yep. almost as a as a uh, as a study guide. Um, and uh, have you so, have you seen um, Ghost Mode? Yeah. So that was the other thing is that we've tried that this year, cool. and what's funny is 
we've we've had some ghosts do pretty well. Uh, <laughs> so the ghost mode is the uh, the first time they took it. Yep. Yep. And so. so Basically, yeah. you can play a game of Kahoot against the essentially against the results, so the ghosts of any past game you've right. ever initiated. Right. So that's 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 funny because it's just like um, one one class was like, "Are you serious? This the ghost is going to win the game." What is that <laughs> saying about what you got? So you you totally get them into it. It's 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 a blast. And then they can go home and play it as well because they oh, can yeah. be all their classmates. Yeah. Time-wise, I'm looking at the clock here. Um, yep. There's if if we ended the quiz, shall I end it now? Yeah, if we end the quiz, you get some information, you get some mm -hmm. feedback, and you won despite getting zero points. Zero points. I love that one. I love when that happens. <laughs> um, smoking hot score zero. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the one part that is very interesting for me is I can download a spreadsheet. Yes. Of so firstly, of what happens before you get to that point is. Yeah. You you ask the students to rate the game, and this is a bit of a critique of how they found the experience, but you can just understand a bit about how they're feeling, whether they felt like they learned something, and how they sort of enjoyed the experience, because that, as I mentioned, that emotional engagement is so huge to us. But let's say I found it really enjoyable, I gave it five stars, I definitely learned something, and I'd recommend it, and I'm feeling pretty happy with myself. <laughs> the live feedback appears on the screen. But of course, it's about kind of self-reflection. So it's not always going to be positive, but that's a good thing because it enables you to adapt the situation and try and find out why that was as well. So this is the final leaderboard. And as you just alluded to, you can save the results. So you can just download it as a spreadsheet or save it to Google, Google Drive. If I download it as a spreadsheet, um, I can show it in my Finder, and I can just, I'm just going to open it up in the preview mode, so it's a bit small probably for people to see. But essentially what you get is every person who's played the game, what they answered for each question, whether they were correct with that, and how fast they answered. So you can understand their overall accuracy. And it puts the students in order of kind of highest performing to lowest performing. Now, the students themselves, they only really get the personal feedback. That's kind of done on purpose because we don't want, you know, we don't want to we want every student to feel success, essentially. Right. So we try and motivate and encourage them as much as possible. But because you get the over overall view, in a snapshot, you can understand, OK, this group of students, they get it. This group of students, they're getting there, but maybe not. This group of students, they're, you know, they may be need a little bit of help. And you can adapt the learning situation there and then based on that information. And that's that's what the beauty of it. It, it just yeah. it gives me it gives me information that was um, kind of it was difficult to get at times and especially yeah. from students that would not participate as much in class yeah. everybody participates they yeah. they want to be involved in it and yeah. it really it brings some brings them confidence if we do the ghost mode it, you know we don't have to do it now because like i said i'm looking I'll at press the, the button so you but, can see it yeah so you can the, the wonderful thing is is that you know i tell the kids okay what you want to do is is to have a better score than what you had last time and so that that is, you know, they're trying to improve themselves. And that's 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 a very important piece of it. It's probably worth saying also, I'm just going to close this tab uh, yep. with the game on because we won't play it. But um, if you press on your name, so this is the area where you're logged in, where you create and manage mm -hmm. your games and find public games. And if you go to my results, you can actually launch the ghost mode game from any oh. past game you've ever, ever played. That's interesting. So I don't know if could, I knew that. 
Oh, really? That's interesting. Well, I didn't, you, I haven't, I, if you didn't know that, then you wouldn't I, know this as well. Uh oh. You can share the link. Oh. So you could send it to all of your students. Say, go and play it at home and just, you know, see if you can beat everyone's ghosts. Or you could then share it with one of your colleagues, for example, and say, hey, can your class beat mine? Or let's oh. say you had a friend in another district or even another country. You can say, hey, let's see if your class can beat mine. That's. That is, oh, my mind is exploding. <laughs> is that there are some really, that opens up a lot. See, I'm glad, see, this is, so I love it. It really doesn't matter if the audience out there is learning anything. It's, it's basically, you know, me. I just want to know <laughs> what's going on. You know, it's, it's beneficial that I, I'm able to um, gather information and uh, uh, to help out my students. But also, I know uh, the three of us teach uh, science. So yep. we could have a Kahoot and then compete against the other. God, yep. well, that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. It's There's another cool. way you can do that as well. I don't know whether you've ever experimented, but what a lot of our users are doing is they're part of global communities. So they'll use like Hangouts like we're using now, and they'll use the screen share functionality. Mm. Um, or they'll use Skype or appear in any tool which has this kind of um, video conferencing ability. They'll share the game screen, and then the students in both the classrooms will play against each other. That's and awesome. It's a great way of kind of adding meaning to those kind of global classroom conversations that happen, and a, a way of kind of sharing maybe how uh, cultural differences between the two classes, or um, you know, just kind of making friends and 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 building these connections up. Mm -hmm. The the one th another um, uh, helpful suggestion to teachers out there is that uh, you know we do allow cell phones in our school but I, I have a cinder block wall and a lot of metal and it's there's they don't get a signal um, and they can get on the Wi-Fi but then not everybody has their phone I try to keep it equal because if you have a cell phone mm -hmm. this is gonna be a lot of a lot quicker because all I'm doing is tapping a button yeah. Yeah. On, on the screen and what's wonderful is HTML5 so I don't have to install anything it's just on the on the browser um, I always have them they're always on their laptop they're always on a similar device and I suggest to bring a mouse because a touchpad they go I didn't mean to click that you know and and so they uh, make their browser window really small oh because that way you've got less less oh my goodness I'm writing these down smaller <laughs> browser oh that's perfect Okay, so I love these things. So, uh, yeah, th that was a problem there. So they can use the, um, I suggest bringing a mouse. So they're on the same, they're on a level playing field. And there's one, um, competitive. Oh, there's one thing that um, I wanted to kind of maybe ask you a question was, uh -oh. <laughs> don't worry, there's no right okay. or wrong answer. Okay. But it, it's just interesting for me, and I think it, the thing with Kahoot is, it, we've purposely kind of kept it quite uh, simple and open because what that does is it enables you to get creative with A, how you create the games, and B, how you choose to play them and why you choose to play them. Mm -hmm. So in your classroom, what would you say is like the typical scenario for when you're playing the game? What's the purpose of it? When would you play it in a in a, in a in a lesson or in a curriculum, for example? I, I love... Um, okay, so, and this just fits for me. Mm -hmm. uh, teaching ancient civilizations, I have um, some questions and crazy information about uh, each civilization. Yep. And just wild, just, 
you know, what I, we call them crazy questions, but, um, and I use that as an introductory. So it, yeah, so that is when they've never experienced that concept. Right. Before. So, yep. and, and then, you know, what I love when the kids holler out, I told you so. And I go, guys, you don't know these answers. You're just <laughs> making wild guesses. But the thing is, is that, okay, we played that introductory yep. and then, you know, a week or two later, we'll play it again. Yep. And they've gathered more information. So now they, they have a better understanding of it. And when you can randomize the questions and the answers. And, and so, yeah, it, that makes that makes a huge difference. So I, I do it that way. I also use it. But that's that's probably my main one because yeah. it's a perfect platform for those wild questions. But then it's it's it gets them excited and interested about learning about that unit. No, um, I, so, I mean, for me, that is probably the the most powerful way to use Kahoot. You know, it's it, it's involving everyone from the very beginning of mm -hmm. a unit or a curriculum that you're teaching, and uh, I'm, I was speaking to a teacher recently, and she had a, a really interesting kind of a philosophy and approach to it, where she per when she's designing the game, she purposely makes the first question very difficult. Mm -hmm. And she knows that her students aren't going to get it right. But what she says is that kind of creates this leveler in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Everyone gets first question wrong. Everyone's on the same kind of uh, at the same ability at that point, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then when she designs the questions, she kind of uses repetition through the questions, whether it's through the diagrams or the images she creates to embed into them, whether it's through the layout of the answer options and the question framing but she kind of tweaks things as the questions go along. So she's building upon the concepts that she's teaching. Yeah. And what she starts to see is as the game progresses, certain students start to get it sooner than other students do. But by the end of the 10 questions, this content that they've never been exposed to before, everyone's getting all the questions right. Everyone gets it right. Because she's kind of designed it in such a clever way where the repetition builds upon each other and the, the knowledge and the concepts are starting to become embedded into your mind because you start to recognize the patterns. Um, she finds that really powerful. And I went into her classroom and I have to say it was, yeah, it was amazing to work there. <laughs> That's, uh, uh, she puts a lot more thought into it than I do. I just come <laughs> up, I just have these crazy questions that, and then the kids eventually down the road, they figure out that most likely the wildest answer is the correct one. <laughs> so, but, it, but, they just and when they get it right because they guessed yep and but that emotion is such a huge plays yep. a huge role and that's when they re, they that's when they remember those and then like i said those questions lead on to other information that is yep. that they discover or learn uh through the unit so that's usually the the fun part and then like i said the other part is now kids are creating their own cahoots yeah uh, using them for review um, and then, you know, I'd love to get to the point where, uh, they're starting to challenge other students. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, awesome. that's, that's a powerful in the game club. Yeah. Oh yeah. In the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why have I not done that before? I just, it's, oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I will, I will have to do that. I will have to do that. I'll just have a group and we'll just, um, maybe I'll just, I'll, I'll get some students say, Hey, make some cahoots for game club. <laughs> uh, but we'd have to come up with appropriate topics. I think yep. that would be, yeah. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be important. That'd be the well, challenge. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we need to stay in touch. Definitely. We need to stay in touch. And then are you coming to the States anytime in the future? Um, personally, 
I haven't got any trips planned until probably March when it's uh, the annual pilgrimage to Austin for yeah. um, South by Southwest EDU. We've opened an office in Austin. Yeah, I yeah, heard about that. So we now have a small team, but a growing team in the States. Um, so I'll be out there soon, uh, but my, I have colleagues out there all the time now. <laughs> and and then I got to figure out a way to get over to uh, across the pond. Definitely, that's 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 what I want to do. And I, I've got I have some uh, some friends that I definitely want to meet uh, in in um, Sweden and Norway. Oh, cool. So well, we um, we have um, you know my co-founders are in Oslo with a, and we have a team of people in Oslo, um, and we have a team of people in London. Yeah, we. I got a travel brochure uh, because I'm going to be doing some traveling here at the end of the month, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I went through a, a a company to you know book the travel, and so I get a magazine in the mail. I'm going through Oslo. That looks beautiful. <laughs> that looks. I'm like. I, I'd love. That looks like a great place to go. Let Let's just let's let's. It do depends that. on your kind of um, what things you enjoy, but I prefer it in the summer. Shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It. Uh, yeah, I, I do. That's why I, I don't know if you know Illinois. It's it, you know we'll get really hot in the summer, but yep. we'll get really cold. It really I, I appreciate the seasons. Yeah, and I mean I think the amazing thing with Oslo is you can leave work and go skiing within half an hour if you're a skier. Um, I need I, to be. I, that's I love the thing in Oslo because it's got you know it's got water, so you can go sailing. You can get the ferry out to the islands. It's light pretty much twenty four hours a day. Seafood. Yep, lots of seafood. Love seafood. Love seafood. <laughs> and I'm I'm stuck right in the middle of a large continent. Yeah, that's yep. a great place yep. for seafood. It's it's yeah. Isn't it's, there a big lake somewhere? Oh, there is. There is. I don't know if I'm eating fish from that lake though. Okay. So, <laughs> well, Jamie, thank you so much for uh, no, thank you. Thanks for having me and, on again. Yeah. And we'll we'll definitely be in touch. Thank you for listening to this week's Ed Gamer podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Ed Gamer. You can also find us at edgamer.net and iTunes. Have a great week.